Parenting is often lived in the extremes. It's either great joy or chaotic overwhelm. In one moment, you're nailing it, and the next, you're losing your cool. I want to help you find your way to the messy middle, to a place of balance. You see, balance is a verb, not a state of being. It is a thing you do, not a thing you are. It is an action, a process, a series of micro-corrections that you make each and every day to keep yourself feeling centered. We are never truly balanced. We are engaged in the process of balancing. Hello, I'm Dr. Laura Froyan, and this is the Balanced Parent Podcast, where overwhelmed, stressed out, and disconnected parents go to find tools, mindset shifts, and practices to help them stop yelling at the people they love and start connecting on a deeper level, all delivered with heaping doses of grace and compassion. Join me in conversations that will help you get clear on your goals and values and start showing up in your parenting, your relationships, your life with open-hearted authenticity and balance. Let's go. Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Laura Froyan, and on this episode of the Balanced Parent Podcast, I have a guest for you who's going to help us understand how we can deepen our connection and have a more fulfilling marriage and relationship um, as busy parents. So please let me introduce you to Kimberly Bean Holmes. She is the CEO of The Marriage Helper, and I am so excited to have her here. Kimberly, please introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Laura. I really appreciate being here today. Yeah, like you said, I'm Kimberly. I'm the CEO of this amazing organization called Marriage Helper. And really what we do there is we help people create strong marriages. And this could look anywhere across the spectrum from the couple who is a newlywed or they've only been married a couple of years and they're saying, how do we do this better, right? Because there's two things we're not taught how to do, how to be married and how to be a parent. And those are the two most important things we will ever do in our lives. So there's some people who are just saying, you know, we've run into some obstacles, some hurdles, help us through it all the way to the other end of the spectrum of people who are saying, my spouse is done. They filed for divorce. This feels completely unsalvageable. Can you help? And the answer is yes to both of those situations and anywhere in between. So we're able to help people learn how to do that. And I love being able to do that. Oh, that's so amazing. You know, I think we often go in to just like we go into parenthood with kind of rose colored glasses. We go into marriage that way too. And we think it's going to, you know, they're going to be our everything where they're going to solve all of our problems. It's just going to be this kind of like idyllic romantic thing. And it often is not right. You know, it's, oh gosh, we put so much pressure on marriage One of the things, when I was a practicing couple therapist, I often got couples who were at a place where they did not know if it was worth saving their marriage, if they had done too much damage. And can we talk a little bit about that? Like, how do you know if your relationship is, there's too much distance, there's too much damage, there's too much hurt to save it? How do you know? That is a question that people ask all the time too, Mm -hmm. right? I think the fear behind it is, Do I really want to keep putting so much of myself into this only for even more heartbreak Mm. or for my heart to continue to be broken over and over again during the process? What I encourage people to think about when they're asking, how do I know? Is it worth saving? Is it worth fighting for? We definitely believe every marriage can be saved. Now, here's the caveats to that. If there is a 
good person who is doing some bad things, then I believe that person deserves to be rescued. So maybe they're struggling with an addiction, or maybe they are in an affair, or maybe the communication really has broken down and it's been that way for years and you're just fighting all the time. But the question I always ask people to consider is, do you believe your spouse is a good person who is currently doing a bad thing or stuck in a cycle of doing bad things? Or do you believe that your spouse is a bad person who is doing bad things? Because if your spouse is a bad person at his core or her core who is doing bad things, I don't know that you can salvage that. However, the majority of the time, I mean, by and in large, the majority of the time it is, they are good people at heart and they are just stuck in something or doing something. Now, some questions come into that of how do you know how long to put up with it? How do you handle it? You know, we can get all to all into that in a minute. But I believe that forgiveness is what can encompass a a multitude of sins. Forgiving a multitude of sins is what allows people to realize there's the space for me to come back or there's the space for this to, to see if this can be reconciled as opposed to holding things over someone's head or, or just never letting them move past it. You know, it's amazing in the couples that we've worked with, there's one couple in particular, Jordan and Priscilla, and I love their story because Jordan and Priscilla were married. They had four or five kids when Priscilla had an affair and left her husband with the children which is not normal. It's not typical that the mom leaves the kids, but she was so in love with this other person and just really felt like life could be happier if it was different. And so she left and they divorced and they were divorced for a year. And during that year, Priscilla got pregnant with the other person's baby. Taking the situation, most people would say over, right? Like this is a situation. It's probably not going to be saved. Like let go, move on. It's not worth it. But Jordan loved his wife and he still wanted her back, even with all of this being done. And as Priscilla was pregnant with that other man's baby and realizing what reality was going to be like when she had a baby, she started to realize what she had left. Honestly, Mm -hmm. she started to realize I left my kids. I left my husband and I left my life. I left my friends. This is not what I wanted. This is not the life I signed up for. And she went back to her husband and he forgave her. I shared this story in an interview that I was doing on a YouTube video a couple of weeks ago and the comments of people after, when they heard that and said that there were so many people who said he's a wuss, Mm. he should have never done that. I can't believe that he's that whipped or whatever, you know, just whatever it is they said. But the truth of the matter is he forgave her because he loved her. He saw a better future for his family. He wanted his family to be put back together. She came back. They remarried. He took that child in as it was his own. They are now this beautiful family of five or six, (laughs) depending on how many they had before. And they are so happy. But not only are they happy, they are the living example that there is hope for situations. Mm -hmm. And they share that openly and widely, the first to be able to tell their story and their testimony of just what happened with their marriage and how it was put back together. But if Jordan had not been able to forgive her, there's no way that would have happened. There's no way they could have had the future that they have now. Now that story could have looked very different. Jordan could have still done everything right and she still could have left and never come back. That's not Jordan's fault. But at least at that point, Jordan would have known I did everything I could to make this marriage work until the very end. And he would have, even if she never came back, at least had peace 
in knowing that. So I also encourage people to think, do you have peace? If you don't have peace on giving up on a marriage, like real peace inside, not giving up, not just saying to hell with them, right? Like that's not peace. (laughs) If you have peace about it, then, you know, move forward in that. But a lot of people don't have peace and they know that their spouse is a good person doing some bad things and they're willing to to try and make it work. And I say- I love that. To be clear, we're not talking about systematic abuse. We're not talking about violence. We're talking about in safe places. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I love this idea that forgiveness is powerful and that there is hope. I think that is a huge message for lots of us, especially right now. So many couples are feeling the strain of Mm. isolation of this pandemic, of additional stressors being placed on their marriage. And I think a lot of people in these times of stress, things get rocky when we, we as a couple turn away from each other in our stress instead of turning towards each other. And so some people in my community are wondering then, so like, how can we have a better relationship? If there's been distance, if there's been discord, how can we start kind of turning that bend, turning back into each other? You referred to it. So I'm going to start there. There's actually really great research from Gottman that talks about what happens in turning towards our spouse and turning away from our spouse. So really quickly, I love how it's demonstrated here. One of the best things that we can start doing if we're wanting to create a stronger relationship with our spouse is to really be mindful of how we are reacting towards our spouse, right? And some ways that we can do this is by assessing when my spouse comes to me with something, am I turning towards them? Am I turning from them? Or am I turning against them? So an example could be if my husband comes to me and let's say we're walking down the street and he points out a truck because he's definitely a Southern man who loves trucks. So if he points out a truck and says, I love this Ford F450, you know, all of the (laughs) stuff, wouldn't you look at that? Isn't that awesome? Well, if I wanted to turn towards him, then I would say, oh, wow, that's so cool. Tell me more about why you like that. Because what he's doing in that moment is he's giving me, as Gottman would call it, a bid for attention. Mm -hmm. So I can either use that bid to intake it and create a further connection with him, which is what we want to do. That's ideal. Or I could simply just say, oh, that's nice. And kind of stop the conversation. That would be classified as turning from him. That's not going to help develop and deepen our relationship. It's just kind of going to shut them down. It may send the message unintentionally. What you're saying is not important to me. I don't really care. I'm thinking about other things, you know, all of that stuff. Or the third option of this is I could turn away from him. I could turn against him is another way to say that. And I could say, oh my goodness, you like that truck? It's Mm -hmm. hideous. It's too expensive. It's, I mean, whatever it might be. And then in that moment, I'm basically taking this bid of attention that he's giving me and kind of throwing it back in his face. Like that's ridiculous. And that's just going to shut him down. And so when we kind of start assessing just in our daily interactions with our spouses, if my spouse or my partner reaches out to me, gives me this bid for attention, what am I doing to respond back to that? And it could be something small. It could be something tiny, like, what do you want for lunch today? Or what should we have for lunch today? And just taking that as an opportunity for, instead of just saying, oh, I don't care. And then getting back to being on your phone or your computer, looking at your spouse, looking at them crazy, like in the eye, looking at your spouse (laughs) and saying, I don't know what sounds good to you. 
like making a conversation from it. It's one simple thing that we can begin just assessing in ourselves. Because I don't know about you, Laura, but for me, especially in the first four or five years of my marriage, I was really good at noticing everything I wanted my husband to change. Like I had this laundry list of things. Like if he would just do this, that, and the other differently, our marriage would be better. And it wasn't until I started looking inward first and saying, what am I doing? That things really began to change. So we can start by looking inward by simply assessing how we react to ourselves. Yeah. When I work with couples, I still do a lip, just a tiny bit of relationship coaching right now. It's not my focus, but when I do, I always start by asking them to make a list of 10 things that they could be doing differently to make the relationship better. Like so yeah. often couples come in and they sit down and they're pointing the finger. If okay. You just did it this way. We'd be fine. If you just do, would do this, we always have to look in. <laughs> what could I be doing differently? I love that. We so um, do. And no one wants to make that list. <laughs> no, no, no one wants to make that list. It's sometimes like I have to hold space of accountability of like, okay, you guys did not do your homework. And now we're going to sit here right now and do it together because you didn't do your homework. And now, and it's important. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So then I have a couple questions from my community where people are trying to figure out how to communicate their needs to Mm -hmm. their partner in a way that doesn't raise defensiveness and in a way that gets their needs met, you know? So especially during this time, we're all trying to balance each other's needs. Do you have any like tips or advice on how to clearly and lovingly communicate the needs that you have your home for time for yourself, whatever they are? Yeah, absolutely. The first thing I encourage people to do is to ask if their needs are realistic. That's a good place to start. And most of the time they are, right? But I just like to get have people reassess them and make sure that what they're asking for or what their expectations are of their partner or their marriage aren't just unfathomable. Like, are these things that can actually be done? And is it realistic for me to ask my spouse to do this for me? So I think that's just a good starting point just to make sure that everyone's on the same page. And then the next thing I encourage people to do is to really think about wording and timing. So my husband and I last night had this conversation as we were going to bed, (laughs) I said to him, because we have something wrong on the front of our house. And I noticed it a couple of weeks ago. And last night, as we were laying down at 930 at night, I said, Hey, will you take a look at that tomorrow? And he said, Kimberly, please do not ask me your honey-do list when we are trying to go to bed. Please ask me first thing in the morning. And I'm going to be honest with you. I got a little defensive. I didn't say anything. I was proud of myself, but I was like... (laughs) But it's the time I thought of it. Why can't I just say it when I think of it? Why do I have to wait till in the morning, right? But I just said, okay, sound, like, got it. I hear you, sounds good. So this morning, I say it again, right? I'm like, it's morning time, it's time to do it. But timing is a huge thing. You mm. need to make sure that you are in a good space, that you're not irritated in the moment. Because if you're gonna express your need when you're angry about that need not being met, it's going to come out, lead to a fight. I mean, more than likely because of the tone, your spouse will get defensive. You're going to get more defensive and it's going to lead to this downward spiral. And this is what's difficult for people to do, Laura. It's difficult for people to pause. It's (laughs) difficult for people to say, okay, this just happened today and this need wasn't met. You know, maybe I asked my spouse to do something. They didn't do it, but now I'm angry about it but do I have to address it now? Majority of time, you don't have to address it right now. You could wait. I don't know. The raging teenager inside of you might say things like, 
but I have the need and I should be able to have my need met, you know? Yeah, but ultimately, like, if your goal is to get the need met, then setting yourself up for success to get that need met is so important. Yeah, and you know, I would go even further than that of, yes, the goal is to get your need met, but I think the longer term goal is to have a healthy relationship, right? So how do you make sure that you get your needs met, make sure your spouse gets their needs met, but with the ultimate vision of we want to create a strong relationship. When you take the time to just pause and make sure you're in that good space before Mm -hmm. you approach your spouse, that you're calm, that you're even keeled, that you feel good about it, feel confident about what you're going to ask. That's number one. And then number two is, is your spouse in that good spot? Because if Mm -hmm. they just had a terrible day at work or you know, whatever it might be. If the kids have been driving both of you crazy that day, probably not a good time, right? Like wait until there's calmness. And this seems probably counterintuitive, but even waiting until you're laughing about things, you know, just you're in a good spot and maybe slipping it in and not, sometimes you don't have to make it this huge, like we need to sit down and I have to tell you this. It could simply be something like, Hey, I've been wanting to mention something to you. Do you think that you could help me more with getting the kids ready for school in the morning? It would be really helpful for, for me so that I can get to work on time or whatever it is. And when you can kind of slip it in and make it where it's not a big deal, your spouse is less likely to feel like it's this burden or feel attacked by it and more likely to be amenable to it. I also recommend for people to make sure, and this is kind of up to each person. I like to not have these conversations in my bedroom because if it does lead to some kind of disagreement, I don't want our bedroom to be the place it happens. I would rather it be a more neutral territory, like the living room or something like that. But that's a personal preference that I have. I totally get that. I wanted to pull something out that you were saying in here, the way you were saying it. I think that you mentioned before that the delivery is so important, but you were using beautiful I statements. And I think that that's something that is a skill that we did not learn growing up. We did not see that modeled, most of us in our homes growing up. For sure. And when we focus on ourselves and our experience and our needs, not in the way that they're disappointing us, not in the way that they're not meeting our needs, but in what we actually do need. And we keep that focus on us. Like, hey, you know, I've been feeling super overwhelmed in the mornings and we're all rushing out the door. And I know it's a lot. And I was just wondering if there's a way we can sit down and talk about how we can make the mornings go more smoothly, you know, like really focusing on our experience and that, and that we're a team that we're going to solve this problem together, you know, I think can be really helpful. I believe that in order to have a healthy, thriving relationship, we both need to have interests and joy and pleasure that happens outside of each other, you know, that we can't be each other's everything. And so we very much support each other's hobbies and joy and enjoyment. Unfortunately, my husband happens to have two hobbies take forever. They're super long. He golfs and he ice fishes. These are like five to six hour events. You know, that's how he does self-care. You know, we were talking about this and my my self-care is, you know, 30 minutes of yoga, half an hour of painting, you know, reading a book on the couch while the kids don't talk to me. You know, it's smaller. But he scheduled his ice fishing during my weekly live yoga class that I do. And, you know, I had to come and sit down and say, honey, I I so support you in your ice fishing. It's so important. It's so good for you. I love your ice fishing. And I also really need to have my Sunday morning yoga. 
-hmm. What can we do about that? How can we kind of prioritize and make sure that you're getting your ice fishing and I'm getting my yoga? What can we do? You know? And he was like, oh, wow, I totally forgot about your yoga. And, you know, we had a great conversation. Four years ago, it could have been a big fight because we make it, are making a conscious effort and being more kind and loving and turning in towards each other. It was not at all. And we left it feeling completely supported and loved by each other, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's the art of compromise too, right? Can I even I- compromise collaboration? Yeah. And trying to be more flexible than not, right? You know, ideally we get to a point in our relationships where if I show my spouse, I'm flexible, over time, he's going to be more flexible too. And it, it's going to, you know, become some of this give and take. But like you said, a lot of this begins with us. And I know that's what the whole not fair comes in about it. It's not fair that if my husband's being a jerk, that I'm the one who has to be nice, right? Like that's not fair, but it takes the more mature person in the moment to put it back on track. And if that just so happens to be the wives, then that's what it is. But I mean, I say that half jestingly, but it is true. Like there are times in our relationships where it really does start with me. Like I can sit here and be upset about it and pout about it and whine about it, or I can just go do something to make it different. So this is a question that I get a lot that I feel like you just led me into so beautifully. Mm -hmm. So do you think that one person can save a relationship, a marriage, a partnership? At first, yes. I believe it takes one person to begin for there to be changes made, especially with what we see at Marriage Helper. When people begin to change themselves, we call it working on your pies. That stands for physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual. And it's the four parts of attraction that we talk about. We know that falling back in love or continuing to fall in love with someone, we call that the love path. And there's four steps or stages to it. But the first stage is it's attraction, but it's all about you. It's not about just trying to to attract your spouse back to you. That's a secondary part of it, but it's about you feeling good about yourself. You beginning to do things. Like you said, it's healthy for you and your husband to have different interests, to have different hobbies, to not be completely intertwined with each other. That's right. And that's the beauty of being an attractive person. My husband is going to be more attractive to me. The more that he sees that I am an individual who can be independent, but wants to be with him. Mm -hmm. Right? Like that's this interdependency. That's so beautiful. And so when people begin work on themselves, look inside, work on their pies, become the best they can be and begin to do the right things that will put their relationship back on track, then that is setting a foundation for your marriage to be saved. But your spouse has free will and you can do everything perfectly right, but you cannot give them a pill that's going to force them to come back to you. You can't give them, you know, there's nothing you can do to force your spouse to end up changing and wanting to save the marriage. All you can do is lay a foundation that's inviting and not try and force them into it. And then ultimately at the end of the day, if they choose to leave, at least you have done what you can do. But a lot of times, and this is what we see so many times at Marriage Helper, when one person begins to stop the argument cycles, the argument dances that happen, when one person begins to to be kinder and more respectful, when one person begins to, you know, in the middle of a fight says, you know what, I understand that you're upset right now. Let's just talk about this at a later time. And then doesn't continue the conversation, doesn't fight back. When one person begins to make that change, 
one of two things typically happen. Number one, either the spouse will end up getting worse because they're like, wait a minute, you're not going to fight with me. I'm going to yell even louder. Like, because that's what humans do when, when we're not used to getting the response we typically get, we're like, wait a minute. <laughs> and it takes time for them to settle down. But the second thing that typically happens is they begin to calm down and realize maybe this marriage can be different than, than what I thought it was. Again, they still have free will. Long story short, long answer, long and short is <laughs> I think that it takes one person to start it, but yeah. it can't always be one person. Eventually, and it may be years, but eventually the other person will need to come back in order for the marriage to be saved. It almost feels like it can be one person who invites the relationship onto a new path, you know, yeah. but the other person has to start walking the path with them. At some point. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I want to know a little bit more about, so I think it's incredibly powerful to just focus on yourself, focus on your own reactivity, focus on yourself, getting the pause and even just focusing on what can I do to be happier in and of myself on my own? Mm -hmm. You know, so I mean, are these the things that the, the very first steps to saving a relationship that feels like it's failing? Yes. There are two things that I would recommend to every single person who's in a relationship that feels like it's failing. And that first one is to work on your pies. So physically, it's not about how you look as much as it is about how you feel. How do you feel physically? Do you have energy? Are you sleeping well? Are you moving? Are you getting your body moving? Are you depressed? Are you stressed? Like, what do you need to do to feel good physically, to have energy to show up in your life? Mm -hmm. For me, I know when I am drained physically, either because of a stressful week or I'm not getting good sleep, or if I'm not eating right, then I am going to not be a nice person to be around. For me, this is core. <laughs> this is key. Intellectually, we encourage people to become a person of interest, right? Like, so the whole thing about intellectual attraction is, am I the kind of person that other people enjoy talking to? Am I the kind of person my spouse would enjoy having a conversation with? Now you don't do this just for your spouse. You do it for you first and foremost, yeah. but this is encouraging you to go and learn and take up hobbies and have interests outside of just your marriage or your spouse's interest to be that person. Or your kids, since your parents. Kids, <laughs> yes. Right? Yeah. You have an identity apart from all of that. And it's helpful for everyone in your life to see that. The emotional part of attraction is, do I evoke emotions within others that they enjoy feeling? I love this one. And this is typically the one people pause and say, oh my gosh, that is the question I have not asked myself. And immediately people begin to see, this is what can help people see that list of things we need to change, right? Because if I think about my actions in terms of how does the way I act affect other people? How does it make them feel about themselves? It's so enlightening. So if I think about this with my kids, am I evoking emotions with my children that they enjoy feeling? If I think about yesterday, oh yeah, I'm telling you everything about yesterday. Last <laughs> night was not my night. I was answering work emails after work hours, which I hate doing, but I was on my phone in my kitchen. My daughter was really just wanting me to watch her do a cartwheel. Like that's mm. what she was wanting. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Boomy, that's her name. It's like, Boomy, like, let me finish this. And I'm sure, I know, I even dreamed about it last night and woke up this morning. I was like, she just wants to be seen. Why can't I put the phone down? Right? Like, that's what has to happen. So 
just assessing myself, even like, how do I evoke emotions within others that they enjoy feeling? What do I need to stop doing? What do I need to start doing that will evoke more positive emotions with the people that I love? And of course we can think about ways to do that with our spouse. And then spiritual attraction is beliefs and values. So am I living in line with what my beliefs and values are is basically what that is. Because typically when people are acting against their beliefs and values, eventually they will come to that point where they say, I don't like who I am. I've become someone I don't, I don't know anymore. So it's always important to, to make sure you're still living in line with that. And when you begin working on those four things, you begin to change into a better version of you. So that's number one. <laughs> so work on your, the second thing I then encourage people to do from there is you got to change the communication in your relationship. And we call it smart contact or smart communication is another way to put it. Because a lot of times when people are stressed or anxious about their relationship, it comes out in a couple of ways. Either they begin to ignore their spouse because they think if I ignore them, then they'll see what they're missing and they'll want to come back to me. And a lot of times that doesn't work well, or they will over chase their spouse, right? Like they'll overanalyze everything that we call it. They'll do these push behaviors where they'll plead, beg, whine, cry, do that, like try to do anything to get their spouse to come back, which ultimately just pushes their spouse further away, mm -hmm. even though that's not their intention because of the way they're acting. It's like, I can't handle all this right now. So we encourage people to stop the push behaviors, to manage your expectations. The whole acronym stands for, S-M-A-R-T actually stands for things, um, but it's just a new way to change the communication in your relationship. But the bottom, ultimately what it is, is calm down the conversations that you're having, stop fighting so much, and you really just have to rebuild a foundation of how to have a conversation like your spouse is your friend, right? Like, stop trying to get them to make a decision a lot with a lot of the people we work with. It's like, but they need to make a decision of whether they're going to stay or go, or they need to explain to me why they're doing this or, you know, whatever. And it's like, not there yet. You're not there. All you got to do right now is have a civil conversation. Even if it's just about how was your day, if you can do it politely and without fighting, that's a win. And you're rebuilding that foundation for you to be able to communicate about more important things that are more emotionally charged later in the future, but you're not there now. Oh yeah. So accepting where you are, rebuilding a good, strong foundation of friendship and caring and love. Yeah. Okay. So where, if people want to learn more about the pies and smart communication, where can they follow you? Where can they get help from the marriage helper. <laughs> yeah. All the things, all the all things, the things. Well, yeah. <laughs> two different ways. If you're wanting more about your marriage and saying, ah, yes, I need help with this smart. I need to more smartly communicate with my <laughs> spouse. Then I would encourage you to either one of two things, go to marriagehelper.com. We actually have a free mini course that you can get from the homepage, which talks all about smart contact. It talks about uh, the pies. Like I've mentioned, you can also find a ton of our free videos on YouTube by going to youtube.com slash marriage helper and subscribing there. And then for the listeners who are saying, you know, I feel pretty good about my relationship, but I really want to help me become better. I want to become the best I can be. Then I have a podcast too. It's called, it oh, starts fine. with attraction. And every week I'm talking about a different part of the pies, the P I E or S and just making it applicable to, to people's lives. So you can go and 
subscribe to that wherever you listen to podcasts, or you can go to the website. It starts with attraction.com and there's a free attraction assessment there and all the things. And you can see the past podcast episodes as well. Awesome. Well, Kimberly, thank you so much for sharing your expertise. It was really fun to talk about these things with you. We at The Balanced Parent, we talk a lot about parenting. Parenting does not happen in isolation. It happens in a family. It happens with real people, often with partners. And it's, I think it's so important to support the whole family system. So I really appreciate you coming in and helping with that. Oh, I so appreciate you having me, Laura. Thank you so much. Okay. So thanks for listening today. Um, remember to subscribe to the podcast and if it was helpful, leave me a review that really helps others find the podcast and join us in this really important work of, um, creating a parenthood that we don't have to escape from and creating a childhood for our kids that they don't have to recover from. And if you're listening, grab a screenshot and tag me on Instagram so that I can give you a shout out. Um, and definitely go follow me on Instagram. I'm at Laura Froyan PhD. Um, that's where you can get a behind the scenes look at what balanced conscious parenting looks like in action with my family. And plus I share a lot of other really great resources there too. All right. That's it for me today. I hope that you keep taking really good care of your kids and your family and each other, and most importantly of yourself. And just remember, balance is a verb and you're already doing it. You've got this.